Um, we are an announcement light Sunday. Yeah. Which, uh, don't get it twisted, doesn't mean there isn't a lot going on. It actually means um, one of the things that we've been announcing a lot, we did last night. We had a party, a boot scoot and boogie last night. I'm half tempted to show you what I learned. Um, it's, it's like... There was more, but I didn't have room, and I didn't want to make you feel bad about your dance. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but it was a really good time, so um, everyone who came out, it was fun, right? Yeah. Chili cook-off. Raise your hand if you won the chili cook-off. Raise your hand if you voted for that chili to win. Yeah. I voted for one that didn't win. I voted for them all because everyone's a winner at the bridge. Amen. Um, why don't we go, would you guys um, open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 10? And while you're opening your Bibles, um, would you, it's kind of hard to do at the same time, open your Bibles and bow your head in a <laughs> word of prayer, but um, let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Um, that was powerful, those words. Those words uh, originally penned by David created me a clean heart. Uh, man, I was just thinking about that. It's those times where when we do things in our lives, um, that cause pain on us and distance between us and you. And we have a couple of responses, and one is to just keep on running so we don't have to deal with it. But that only gets us so far as it did in David's life. And then there was that moment of just turning around, and you call it repentance. And um, it's such a, a beautiful picture of what it means to just, like a kid who's caught, just be like, ah, oh, it was me. And then you receive us again. And um, there's just a beautiful picture of, of who you are and who we are to you. You love us, Lord. We just speak that over ourselves right now. We are loved by God. And so as we open up your word this morning, we do so knowing that you love us, that you love people that you have things you want to teach us and things you want to show us. So we thank you, Lord. We pray a blessing over our children today. And um, we pray that the things that are being taught to them uh, would, would uh, help um, teach us as we take them uh, home with us and as we watch them grow in their faith in you. Um, our kids teach us so much. We love you, Lord. We, we uh, lift up this morning, ask you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Mark chapter 10. Three verses today. We got This is one of those. Some days we cover a lot. We're going to talk about a lot, but we're going to cover an awesome little short text. Uh, verses 13 
through 16. Let me read it. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For such, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Our message this morning is entitled Heads and Tails. Who's got a coin? Preferably a quarter. Preferably a silver dollar, but let's be honest. I forgot to grab a coin this morning. Hit me. Hit me, Christy. That's okay. We'll wait. Illustration time. Here we go. Hey, Jonah, heads or tails? Tails, you lose. Gina, heads or tails? Tails, you lose. Derek, heads or tails? Heads it is. Okay, we're two for three. I didn't, I didn't ask you guys. I'm just kidding. What do you got? Heads. Heads it is. Oh, okay. We're, we're in the middle. This is, this is the uh, point game match game, point game match, whatever. Whoever gets this one right is wins or loses it for your team. Martinson, heads or tails? Heads it is. There's nothing worse than losing, <laughs> although overtime rules have changed, so the NFL this year, it looked a little different. So who just won that contest, heads or tails? Heads. What did you guess? Tails. tails, and it was heads. Heads won, tails lost. You know, sometimes we treat the teachings of Jesus like a heads or tails type of situation. Last week, we just came off of a teaching where where Jesus was talking about some heavy things, marriage, sin, repentance, fresh start. Remember who he was talking to last week? He was teaching his disciples, his followers a lesson, but he was going sort of toe-to-toe with the religious elite the people that sort of knew the most, the collegiate level, the, the, the seminary level professors of the day were having a discussion about social issues with Jesus and who was right in their answers. And what happens is, because Jesus could and can go toe-to-toe with the theologically elite his disciples can have a tendency to make it a main focus of theirs. Because Jesus can, the disciples made it a main focus of theirs. I think that they enjoyed watching Jesus not get trapped in his words by those who thought they could. Jesus, toe-to-toe with this person, and you're kind of in the back going, watch this. My man's got, you can't, 
You can't put him in that place. You can't trap him in his words. And so it can be sort of a thing that Jesus wants to combat, and he did, but that becomes one side of the coin. Jesus wants to combat these things. This made, I feel, one of the things Jesus is going to address, this made the disciples and can make us who are disciples of Jesus. It can tend to make us insensitive and status conscious about the teachings of Jesus and who he wants to teach and talk to. We can leave Jesus in this up here, uh, seminary-level, theological uh, debate place all the time. Now, Jesus is here. He's God. He, our study is about him, but we can leave our conversation here. Jesus is going to show us today that that's just one side of the coin. There are things this morning Jesus wants to teach us, just as in this setting. And not only were there things that Jesus wanted to teach, there are things that Jesus wants to touch. Some come from his word, some come from his hand. I want to talk about two words that you hear in church, in the, in the Christian context and community. One is the word salvation. Now, salvation... I've written here, is a personal declaration and an invitation. Salvation, to be set apart, saved um, unto the Lord. It's a personal invitation. God, would you enter into my life? It's allowing God's judgment of sin to come in. It's also allowing, like what we say, creating me a clean heart, God's presence and his grace and his forgiveness to come in and you no longer operate based on how good you are, but your life is based on how good Jesus is, how much he loves you. This is a salvation. Lord, come in, forgive me of my sin, make me clean. That's what the Bible speaks of. Salvation, a declaration and an invitation. Uh, Please come in. I am yours. Now, there's another word that's called sanctification. Sanctification is a word you won't hear a lot from this stage because we have other words that work better in our context. You could try the word process. But sanctification is a beautiful term that means a process of learning and growing, and becoming more like Jesus over a period of time. It's wordy. Learning, growing, and becoming more like Jesus over a period of time. That is sanctification. Salvation happens once. Sanctification happens over the rest of your life. You are saved by God. You are born again. You become a follower, disciple of Jesus, and then begins this process of sanctification. It's becoming more like Jesus over time. Does anyone ever feel like in life you take two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back, but your eyes are on Jesus and you're wanting to know God and honor God? That's the process of sanctification. This is important because we're going to be looking at process this morning. Now, if you know a lot about something, where do you go to learn more? Well, you go to someone who knows 
more than you do, more knowledge than you do, more experience than you do. And this is great. This is where the education system is awesome, the higher education or special schooling. But remember, teachers can come from the most unexpected places and from the most unlikely teachers. I had to watch the last scene of Ratatouille this week when I was thinking about this. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, let me tell you. There's this food critic, and he has this amazing monologue at the end. He, he goes to restaurants, critiques the food, and it turns out in this one ras- restaurant, the whole time, not even a person's been cooking, but a rat's been cooking the food. Because he believed in his gifts, because he was told anyone can cook. And then the critic says, we as critics, rarely uh, we have much to gain and little to lose, offering our criticism. Man, that'll preach. Um, or little to gain, I don't remember what he said. We, had, we don't have much to offer. Critics don't have much to offer, but we have lots to gain because people like our criticism. But he goes, in truth, um, we put very little of ourselves out there. The people that we are busy critiquing, they're the ones that put their whole selves out there that we could critique. But he says this whole thing. He goes, I actually realize now that what I hadn't thought was true before is true. And it's that um, not everyone is, is great, but greatness can come from anywhere. Teachers often come from the most unexpected places. I know that's true for me. Some of the people that I have learned from isn't so much how much they know, it's did I have a teachable spirit. And if that's the case, you can learn from all over the place, as we'll see today. Because today we're going to sit under some unspoken teaching of the most unlikely teachers, and that is children. Now, a little bit of context. It says, and they were bringing children to him that they might touch, that Jesus might touch them. And it says that the, dis- the disciples, they dismiss these parents and their children as unimportant. Maybe not that they were mad that they were there, but the reality was thinking that they didn't really have much to contribute to this situation. When Jesus is teaching and there are people are around and people want to trap Jesus in his words and he knows just the right thing to disarm that, and talk about the kingdom of God. And then there's just a, maybe a mom with her baby. That means children here. And it's not like, go away, lady. But it's, it's sort of maybe on the fringes. And weren't, weren't, they were just kind of there. The disciples maybe were indifferent toward them being there. A mother just like, or little kids. It says this could have been like infant to 12-year-old that maybe just was like, there's Jesus. And there was something about who he is and where they were at in life. They wanted to get to him, but the disciples were sort of giving preference to other peoples. They were just sort of indifferent. Oftentimes, that's sort of a kid's lot in life. They're running around. We say stuff like kids are kids. Kids are doing kid things, which is great being able to play, but sometimes kids are given a place of indifference in a room. Let me give you an example. This one will hit close to home. If you've been here for, you know, more than a couple of years, do you know the kids' names that run around this church? 
You're like, ouch. I know their parents' names, but maybe don't know the kids' names. Now, that's not to say that you don't like the children at our church, but there's a sense that there's kid, they're kids. They're running around. You may not know who they are. Sometimes that's a kid's lot in life. We're going to learn from them right now. Uh, one one uh, commentator says, they probably thought they were doing Jesus a favor by helping him to protect his time and conserve his strength. In other words, they did not consider the children to be important. They were sort of playing favorites. But what we're going to see is what they actually didn't understand was the subject matter that Jesus was teaching. They knew the content, but they were missing the character. They knew salvation, what it means to be followers of Jesus, but they needed to keep learning about how to apply this information to others, sanctification. Here's one illustration for this. My wife, she has two college degrees, one for each of us, So I tell people. She has a business degree and she has a math degree. She's wicked smart. We also own and run a business. But she, even though she has a business degree and a math degree, she had to learn how to run our business. She had the certificate that says you are qualified or you know the info, but she still had to be like, how does this work out? She can do calculus, which is like a thing with letters. It's awesome. But she is helping our youngest, or both of our sons. But she is helping Ollie learn cross-multiplication. Do we cross-multiply? No, apparently cross-multiplication isn't really a thing. Did anybody else cross-multiplication? Yeah. So I sit around the house when they're figuring something out, and I'm like, cross-multiply. It's an inside joke, but apparently it's not really, you don't really cross-multiply. But she's helping him where he's at. thought that joke would go over better. <clears throat> but it is unfair. Here's the point. It is unfair and unhelpful for Stephanie to expect Ollie to already know how to do something it is taking her years to learn. Things that she is still learning how to do better in her own life. The same goes for things related to the kingdom of God. God's spiritual rule in people's lives. So some of, us, some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time. And if we're honest, we have a lot to learn still. And there are lessons, not just on one, but on both sides of the coin, who Jesus is. Let's look at these three verses one more time. Then I want to break down a couple of things. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. That word, um, Jesus got, got mad a few times. This is the only time that this word is used to describe Jesus being mad. And um, we're in church, so I can't say what like, it translates best to. But he was 
mad. P.O.'d. We'll say that. He, was, he turned to his crew, and he was mad, and he had words to say. So imagine the tone in which he speaks to them when he says, let the children come to me. We have this because this is what we want as parents, but when Jesus spoke it for the first time, he was speaking it in a, in a correcting of a wrong behavior sort of way. He said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. He says, you have things to learn from them. And then he took the children in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. I want to talk about a couple of things. One, the lessons in this for us, what Jesus teaches. And then the second side of the coin, what Jesus touches. We don't leave Jesus on one side, heads or tails. He just teaches. He just has information. And then over here, he just wants to lay his hands on you and bless you and not give information. It's both sides, heads and tails. So let's look at these lessons here. I got three of them. Things that he was teaching his disciples. First one is this. There is no, a spirit of superiority does not fit in the kingdom of heaven. A spirit of superiority doesn't fit in the kingdom of heaven. It has no place. It does not compute. It's not like, those are our kids. Why don't you guys ever do that? (laughs) Um, These children were not a burden to Jesus. They were a burden to the disciples in the moment. That was a misrepresentation of God's heart. Oftentimes, that comes from a spirit of superiority. I'm more important. What we're doing is more important than what you have going on. It says here that Jesus' sharp double command literally meant this. Um, Let the children mean start allowing the little children come to me and do not hinder or stop preventing. There needed to be a change. In my mind, it sounds good like this. It hurts Jesus' heart when we treat people who know less, less than. It hurts Jesus' heart when we treat people who know less, less than. Like, not as good, not as important. Could I say that there are few places in the world where people feel less than because of the amount they know? than church. It is one of the places who people feel like if they don't know a lot, they don't fit very well. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not like that. It's a place where people aren't a burden, but he is excited that they are there in their presence. It's important to us as well. Not only were the outcasts important just as important others, Jesus also stated that everyone who desires the kingdom must learn something and become like these little children, which leads us to our second thing. What is it that they needed to learn about the kids? Kids know how to open presents. Kids know how, because this doesn't say have childlike faith. We see that. It says enter into the kingdom like a child. It means receive a present like a child receives a present. How do kids open presents? 
all day. They get after it. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. One thing, one way a kid, I spend a lot of time think, thinking about Christmas's past. And as a matter of fact, I have a video I want you to watch of Ollie opening a present. I'm just kidding, dude. But I thought about it. We have this one. It is so good. He got all four Ninja Turtles. You remember? Yeah. And when he opened Mikey, we gave him one at a time, four different presents, and he opens it up, and he's all, it was, he's like, he was like Napoleon Dynamite stoked. He was like, yes! It was so good. You know, Napoleon's just like, yes! But one thing is pretty universal, because some kids, they peel the tape. Other kids are like the Tasmanian um, devil. <laughs> Okay, one thing that is pretty true, though, for kids, they'll receive a gift without doing anything to earn it. Hey, I have a present for you. Thank you. There's no strings attached in their mind. That's a gift. It's, it, you, the strings attached thing is a learned trait later on. Thank you. What do you want from me? Kids know how to receive a gift without doing anything to earn it. Now, I want to take this word children. Is this where I want to do that? And I want to apply this not only to ages, but um, physically, but spiritually. Not only a seven-year-old child, but how about a two-year-old believer in the Lord? Maybe you're 45 years old, but you've been walking with the Lord for two years. So in some ways, there are, you, you you know you have a lot to learn. The reason that people that are young in their faith share their faith the most with others is because there is a genuineness, genuine realization they didn't do anything to earn God's love. It's just a gift to receive and they want to share, like a child. They'll receive a gift without doing anything to earn it. We teach that later. Have you been naughty or nice this year? Do you deserve the things that we want to give you this year? Oh, I was sort of convicted about that. Because it doesn't it just roll off the tongue when you see a kid? You're just like, have you been naughty or nice? And we understand maybe that what we want is for our children to be kind and respectful. And, you know, but there's sort of this thing we start to like, do you, are you earning or deserving the gifts that we want to give you? And sometimes that can equate with how we think about things of the kingdom of God, but it just doesn't compute. Because would Jesus ever say, hey, have you, been earn- have you been naughty or nice? But we have this program that we operate this way. Oh, I can't receive a blessing from God because I'm bad. I had a rough week. I treated people unfairly. There's no way that God would want to bestow a blessing and put his hands on me and say, I love you, I got you. There's no way he could do that because I'm not good. 
But that's not the gospel. That's not a relationship with Jesus. That's religion. That's trying to earn and do and be. And we have to open these gifts like kids do. Kids open a gift on, based on what they think is on the inside. So you don't tell them what's on the inside, so they open all of them like a ninja turtle. Then you open this underwear, and they're like, sweet. Um, or socks, like in a Christmas story. They chuck them out the side. Or the, the pink bunny PJs that grandma got that dad makes you wear, and you look like a pink nightmare. Kids open gifts on based on what they think is on the inside. That's why it's fun to watch them open them. Kids know how to open gifts. Do we know how to open the gifts that Jesus wants to freely give? To receive forgiveness like a present, not a, a reward. Oh, good job. Here's some forgiveness. Oh, good job. Here's some grace. Oh, good job. Um, here's your promotion. Here's your this. Or if it's just like, God, thank you for forgiveness. Do you guys remember a few weeks ago we talked about what if for the next year you woke up every day and you said these simple words? Now, I don't want to test, but has anyone carried that on, been saying that stuff? It was all about starting your day receiving the things that God freely gives. That's the whole, the whole point was to be like, God, today, I am yours. Today, um, I'm going, you made this day. I'm going to walk in it. You've already been before me. Now, I'm just going to walk as if you already have done these things. That was the whole point of all of that. That's okay. I haven't either. But guess what? We're forgiven anyways. <laughs> um, you didn't have to do it all to make God happy. But those are tools, things like that, that can help us walk in that. Okay, third lesson. When you think about all of that, here's the reality. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn. Sometimes I feel like I have so far to go. And it's good every once in a while to be like, that's true. That's good. But then sometimes you have to look back and you have to be, just so you don't get too discouraged, look behind you and be like, oh, my gosh, look how far I've come. Thank you, Lord. We have a lot to learn. What is it that, that Jesus was teaching us about the way these kids approached him? God responds appropriately to your tone, not your knowledge. So the disciples were responding with people's knowledge. Here's the things that Jesus really wants to address. And Jesus was like, no, I want to address the way, the tone and the approach in which these children and their parents are coming before me. So if you're here this morning, you don't know much about the Bible. You don't know about much about the person of Jesus. I remember for the longest time, I went to children's church when I first became, when I first gave my life to Jesus. I started serving because I was, this, it was a small church in the mountains and 
and I gave my life to Jesus, and God was doing these crazy things in my life that I couldn't explain, but I felt different. I felt cleaner, like, like my sin, had, I felt forgiven, and I felt God's grace. I didn't know the terms. I didn't know all the words or how to say it, but I, this is what I felt, and I just remember I had a desire to, like, respond, and so I started serving uh, with, the, with the kids' ministry at uh, the church where I first, you know, became a believer, and I was sitting with the little kids in the back, and the teacher was like, now who is this? And they were like, Noah, or I'm like, who's that? And they were like, you know, the Tower of Babel, and, you know, the King David, and like all this stuff, and I'm like, these kids, are, they know so much. I didn't know any of that stuff. But there was something that I knew in my spirit that I didn't know what, I didn't learn the words to put behind that till much later, and that's this. God responds to your tone, not your knowledge. You know what I mean? You don't have to know a lot to know Jesus well. And just because you know a lot about God, doesn't mean that you know him well. There are some that they would say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus would be like, I actually never, you never really knew me. You may have known a lot about me. One of his main um, rebukes or teachings about this toward religious, elite, superior attitudes is this. He says to the, to the Pharisees at one point, he says, you search the scriptures because you think your knowledge of the scripture gives you salvation. But he says, all the scripture actually are, is about me. It's almost like saying, you can miss the trees for the forest. It's all about Jesus. It's not, about all, it's not all knowledge. It's about relational um, crossover. So the Bible is amazing. And it's where we hear God's word. It's living and active. But is it drawing us closer to the person of Jesus? Does that make sense? He responds appropriately to your tone and not your knowledge, which helps us to know we have something to learn. It's because all people, regardless of education or social standing, at some point must be more like a child in the way they approach Jesus. There's a beautiful, he's speaking to his disciples. Can I show you something where he actually plays this out in one of the, one of the disciples' lives? If you have your Bible f- open, flip over to John chapter 21. I just want to show you guys something real quick. So in John chapter 21, after Jesus was on the cross and he was killed, he was buried and resurrected and seen by some people, even by the 12, um, the 12 disciples, It says this, John 21, and it says, um, let's see, let's start in verse 3. Actually, verse 1. After this, after all these things, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, so the, the Sea of Galilee, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and the two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
Simon had already seen the resurrected Jesus. He had already appeared. But he still was in a, such place of his mistakes. He blew it so bad thinking that his life could be used by God that he went back to what he knew he was good at and couldn't mess up too bad. Went back to fishing. I'm going fishing. The other disciples said, I'm going with you. And they, they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They were fishing all night, caught nothing. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet, Jesus, <laughs> yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, his disciples, the 12 that had been following him for three and a half years, they knew the most about him, his person, work, character. He says to them, children, have you caught anything? And they said, no, Lord. Then he says, cast a net on the other side of the boat. They cast a net. And then somehow in all of this, Peter goes, it's Jesus. So the disciples are wheeling the, wheeling, rowing the boat to shore. Peter, like a child, jumps in the water, swims to the shore, gets up. It's a beautiful story of, of uh, forgiveness and receiving God's grace again. But did you notice what Jesus called them? Children. He says in Mark, where we're at, you can go back there, do not forbid the children from coming to me. And then in John 21, he says to his closest, hey, children, have you, it's the same word. Because we all must be like children to receive the things that he wants to give us. No strings attached. Peter, it's not because of these right things that you did. It's just because of who he is to the Lord. Pablo Picasso said, every child is an artist. How many people in here, raise your hand if you can draw. Like if you, you can, yeah. You're just like drawing is like your thing. You like it. You don't have to be good at it, but you like it. Awesome. Raise your hand if you do not like to draw. I'm horrible at drawing. I can say I know what I want it to look like. And so I work with someone who can make it look like that. Because I can't, I have a hard time drawing. Picasso said something that's so cool. I've, I've remembered this for a lot of years. He said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. Every child is born with these things that sometimes get stripped away that the Lord might be saying, hey, don't lose that. Hold on to that. Because I don't want you to have a superior spirit towards others or thinking that you're more than or they're less than. There are these things that I never want you to let go of. There are things that happen in the honeymoon stage of marriage you don't ever want to lose. They require, but it requires diligence and work to not. They don't naturally stay there. You've got to fight to hang on to that stuff. That's one side of the coin, things Jesus wanted to teach. Let's briefly look at the things he wanted to touch. On the other side of the coin, Jesus had gifts for people, things he wanted to do for them. So let's look at three people that Jesus wanted to touch. Now, anything about touch, remember this. I can't quite touch you from here. Why? We're too far apart. Touch requires proximity in order for it to work. A closeness. 
So there's three people. There was the kids, which I'm calling the kids of all ages because we're all children. There's the parents. Got a little word for the parents in here. And then there's the disciples, those that were following Jesus. Kids. I was thinking about all of our bridge kids and the amazing truths, you know, that they learn week after week and the ministry that's happening to our kids. It's not a sidebar ministry of the church. It's important. And there's study and preparation and things that go into um, what our bridge kids will learn on Sunday. And can I tell you, if they leave here knowing that Jesus, if they leave here knowing that Jesus has all of their attention, that Jesus knows you and wants to bless you, then we're winning. It's a partnership between church and home. We don't just teach deep theological things. We don't teach calculus level math to a child. We meet by God's grace with his word in his heart. We meet our kids where they're at. And it's not based on knowledge. We want them to know it's based on tone and approach. How can they approach Jesus? What can they expect to receive from him? I think about this, and I was thinking about even in, in here how some of our kids sit in and listen because I don't know how long I'll be able to speak in a way that bridges both to older and younger, but I want our kids to sit in here. Why? Because it's not your church. It's theirs too. It's, it's, it's our kids' church. And our kids need to know that Jesus dreams about your future. What do you want to be when you grow up? What are things that like make your heart beat and you get excited about that? Jesus breathes life into those things. You know, there's a lot of things that try to take our children away from what God would want to do, but Jesus wants us to help our kids lean into those things because train up a child in the way that they should go, which way should they go? The way Jesus is leading them. Because he dreams, he dreams bigger things for you guys do than you dream for yourself. And if you could hold on to that, at a childhood level, you will be miles ahead of where we are when you get to be our age because you won't just know it, you'll be able to pass it on to others. Jesus doesn't just belong to the learned people. For those of you that are new to the faith or still trying to explore where you stand on things of God and the Bible, Jesus doesn't belong to the elite, the people who know a lot. He's yours. He belongs to you. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to approach you. He wants to touch you and lay hands and bless your life in future. And also know, kids, physically and spiritually, you are teaching people so much more than you know. I learn, who in here learns from their children? You know what I learn from my kids the most is just hard? Forgiveness. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be better at that than you. The resilient spirit that God gives our children, thank you, Jesus, for when I've gotten upset at my boys when they didn't deserve it. And then they can finally just be like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, it's okay, Dad. 
I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> we learn so much from you. If you're new to the faith, let me tell you something. You have so much to contribute in this place with this group of people. Don't ever think that you have less to contribute, less to share, or less to teach than anybody else in this room. It is not true because Jesus said we actually need your presence. We need the things that God is doing in your life. We need to know where you're at in process because we can in turn grow. That's the heartbeat of this church. It must be that way in order for us to see and experience what God wants to do. Amen? Second group, parents. If I could just tell you, your family is of the utmost importance to Jesus. Your small little world, when you have a child, your world goes like this. <laughs> I think about moms in particular. You know, there's this ongoing joke that we've said for years that um, I told our boys, I was like, her name is not mom butt. Because everything's like mom butt or butt mom. Her name's not butt mom. But mom, but mom, her name is Stephanie. It's, till, it's years later that these guys would even understand what it would require to get one college degree, let alone two. And all of the things that she has been through, she's just mom. Your world is like this. But God sees and knows who you are. It's of the utmost importance. Sometimes I feel like um, moms, you sort of, there's a, you can kind of lose your identity for a minute. Does the world remember me? I have such a gift set. I have a lot to offer. And, but you know what? What you're doing is not insignificant. It is of the utmost importance and beauty, and it teaches others so much. Because things like faithfulness, steadfastness, um, they go unnoticed to the world. It just goes by faithfulness, steadfast, reliable. They're not flashy, but they're godly. Your family is of the utmost importance to Jesus. I'm sorry if there have been times where, you know, your needs feel like they haven't been met. You know, it's, you slip through the cracks. just want you to know that the Lord sees, and what he sees in secret, he rewards openly. So keep bringing your kids to Jesus. This is the, the verses that are taught around baby dedication. These are the verses that will be over many children's ministries at many different churches. Let the children come to me. And Jesus was saying it, but he was saying it to the kids by way of correcting his disciples. But this is where we talk about baby dedication, where we bring our kids to Jesus. And that the, in essence, we're saying, Jesus... You know my kids better than we do. They were created in your image. They are fearfully and wonderfully made by you. We want the best for them. We know that you want the best for them. So we are dedicating our children and dedicating ourselves to doing all that we can and raising them in the way that they shall go. That's what baby dedication is. It's one of my most favorite things. 
It's not just dedicating the child. It's dedicating the family. And then it's surrounding them as a church family that says, we're in this together. And we do this together. I believe that parents, Jesus would want to lay his hands on you, especially in whatever season you're in, and give you a touch and speak words of power over you, give you empowering to know this. You are the ones that God has chosen to parent your kids. So when you say stuff like, I don't even know these people. (laughs) No one's ever said that in the history of parenting and talking about their kids. But when they're doing things that you're trying to understand, um, or you're feeling like an utter failure, you, there is no better parent to your child in the whole world that has ever lived than you. As mind-blowing. And of all the families and all the places and all the world that your child could have been born to, they were a gift to you. The last people that Jesus wanted to touch was the disciples. What did he want to give them? Not a punch in the face. Um, Like Nacho said, wrestling is fun. It's fun to take a pile drive to the face or a punch to the face. But it says in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. What Jesus might want to touch for his disciples, while it may feel like he wanted to punch them in the face, he actually wanted to soften their heart. I think this is important because there are some of us that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and our hearts have actually gotten hard. They've gotten hard toward people who aren't as far along as we think they should be in their walk and their process. And our focus sometimes becomes on where someone else is, and Jesus is wanting to say, actually, I want you to focus on where you are. And there's a softening touch. And it's not, he, d- he doesn't want to hurt you. And he's not mad at you. But he wants to soften your heart. Humility is the hardest lesson. Is humility easy to learn? No, it's the worst. But there's kind of two ways to learn it. You can humble yourself or wait until the time where God humbles you. One is easier. One can be done at any time. And um, there needs to be, in order for a family to work well, In order for a body to work well, there needs to be a mutual submission of parts working together in order for things to function well. Sometimes I look around and I'm like, oh, things aren't functioning well. Not so much here, but we want things to function well. You just look at like the hurt and the despair and the pride and people stepping on other people and all this stuff, and it's just doesn't compute with the things of the kingdom of God. And I think a lacking ingredient is humility. What should you do with people in your life that don't know as much as you? 
this is a good one for us to kind of end on and think about because here there's going to be a lot of people that come through those doors that don't know as much about you, don't know as much about Jesus as you do, don't know much about the Bible as you do, maybe don't know what it is to be part of a Christian community, what it is to be in process. What do we do with them? Well, we remember that access to God is based on faith, not knowledge. And so we meet people where they're at, and we bring them right to Jesus, and we say stuff like, May the, and we pray f- for each other, and we speak words of life that are true over them. God has plans of peace and hope and a future in mind, and he dreams dreams for you. And submit your, just bring yourself to him and let him work. And then we watch. I've heard the most amazing stories about stuff that God is doing in here that encourages me like crazy to keep going and to keep believing and believe those things for myself and for others. So bring people to Jesus. Don't worry about so much where in the process they are of the things that maybe they still haven't learned. When and just celebrate people's wins. I want to end with these verses. In the book of Acts, Peter again, after Jesus was in heaven, in the book of Acts, a few years later, in Jerusalem, a church was planted. Peter was the pastor. Say that fast. Peter pastor. Um, Paul and this guy Barnabas had gone out and were planting churches elsewhere. They came back to Jerusalem, and they had to have a meeting because people were like, here's these guys going out and planting churches, and it doesn't look the same way that ours does. So they had what is called the Jerusalem Council. So Peter and Barnabas come in, and they were talking about these people are living like they're new and they're loving Jesus and following him, but they aren't as like set apart as we are. Part of our story was we got circumcised and we followed a dietary law as part of their culture and we did these certain things and that's what, shouldn't they do that too? That's part of our story, shouldn't, Shouldn't that be part of their story? And so it says there was much debate, heated debate. And after some time, Peter learned his lessons. It says, after there had been much debate, then Peter talked, which is sort of opposite of his whole life. He's like a ready, fire, aim type of guy. But now he's thinking about it. It says this in Acts chapter 15, verse 7. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days... God made a choice among you, this is where he brags though, humble brag, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith not by knowledge. Now, therefore, 
Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of God just as they will. All that to be said, he was like, why are we adding things to their life that is actually heavy and not helpful? For we actually need to be more like them. The way they walk in faith, that's how we're supposed to walk in faith. The way they receive the kingdom of God as a gift, that's how we need to receive the kingdom of God. It's Peter learned the lesson in Mark when he was stopping the children from coming, and yet he taught it later on in his own life because it was something that he learned. That's my prayer for our church and uh, my prayer for myself. So let's, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the amazing truths to be found in your word. We know that you constantly want to teach us new things. And we know, Lord, there are things that could never be put into words that you want to do by laying your hands on us and helping us to just um, experience your presence and your power and your equipping and your forgiveness. There are things that your Holy Spirit wants to put in our heads and our hearts through your word and there are things that you, Holy Spirit, want to put in our, um, in our heads and our hearts just by your presence. So for someone that has been struggling with a hard heart, frustrated at maybe those around you, I just want to pray that you would allow the Lord to just soften it, not so at, not to that person first, but soften it by God's grace to you. It helps us to extend grace to others when we realize how much grace we've been extended. And for those in here who think they may not have much to offer, the kingdom of God at large or the church because of your station in life or things that you've done, May you just hear words from the Lord that you have a lot to offer because if you have given your life to Jesus, you are, bear the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. You have as much to offer the world as anybody. God sees. God sees you. And to every family represented in here, I just want to say that the Lord... loves faithfulness. The Lord loves the day-to-day life that isn't glamorous and sees you. And um, I believe he would just want to give you a touch of power and just realize and be reminded that um, what you're doing is good, not just good, it's ordained by God. So, Father, we thank you for today. We sing this song in a response to you because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.